Hello, guys, and welcome back. This is Comadres y Comics. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hey, girls, how are you guys doing? Thank you for coming back. I'm doing wonderfully. I'm doing all right. Excellent. So, guys, ¿qué onda? Well, this is Kristen, and I am uh, right in the throes of my yearly charity um, program coordination every year uh, for the past uh, 21 years. I've been coordinating a local program called the Adopt-A-Family, and um, basically what I do is help to find donors to support homeless families in the Los Angeles area during the holiday season. Um, during the holidays, it's really usually a really tough time for homeless families or um, families who are um, newly sheltered because a lot of times they don't have income, they don't have a lot of resources, and um, they're wanting to try to make the um, the holidays as normal as possible for uh, the rest of their family, whether it's their kids or, you know, extended family that might be living with them. And um, when they're uh, kind of strapped for money, it makes their situation kind of seem a little bit more dire um, to them, you know, uh, not being able to provide uh, gifts for their kids or whatever. So I have started and coordinated this program um, for many, many years, and I partner with the Hollywood Community Housing Corporation in the Los Angeles area, who provides service homeless services to, um, to homeless, to uh, formerly homeless, to special needs clients, meaning that they have uh, health issues that um, have actually caused them to become homeless because of their bills and um, the they just aren't able to provide for themselves because of their um, medical situation. Um, and also, they have a program that provides services for elderly. Uh, they, um, a lot of times, uh, elderly uh, and older people maybe are on, well, yes, for sure, not maybe, are on limited incomes, their social security, they're not working, and that is very difficult to continue to provide a living situation for yourself in the Los Angeles area. Um, so they, uh, Hollywood Community Housing Corporation, provides a lot of services for a lot of people, and I am coordinating the program uh, with them this year, and am just really, like I said, in the middle of it all, and it's kind of stressful making sure that I get everyone covered and um i'm at work uh, at heidi ho it's a drop-off location so people are coming in already dropping off their gifts and it it's a lot of work and it is stressful but it's part of christmas for me it's part of the holidays for me mm -hmm. and um, i love doing it yeah <clears throat> you've been doing it for uh many many years right yes i started back in 1998 um, 97, 98, when I lived up north uh, in Northern California and I worked at a domestic violence shelter and I coordinated the program there. And when I moved down south, um, I worked for an organization that provided services for sexual assault and domestic violence um, survivors, but did not have shelter. And I wanted to continue to do the program. So I found another program that did have shelter and I coordinated it with them. And mm -hmm. over the years, due to funding and just uh, 
lack of funding. I've worked with many different uh, organizations and shelters that have closed down. And Hollywood Community Housing um, has been around for quite some time, and they do, like I said, some really amazing work. The mm-hmm. shelters uh, and um, ongoing long-term shelter that they provide is just amazing, and the staff is really awesome, and they're really supportive of this program and of all of their clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I noticed, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, I noticed that you uh, there was some information uh, that you were giving out where there was uh, some you couldn't get some sponsors for some of the families and yeah. then you reached out to your Facebook community Yes, and a lot of the people came and, and, um, and helped out. They and did. I, I thought that was really amazing. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah. I was relieved. Um, <laughs> no, I, I remember that day where I had, um, actually I had a family who had a sponsor, but then the sponsor wasn't able to follow through on their commitment because they had some emergency medical thing where mm-hmm. they ended up being in the hospital and wow. they couldn't do it. And it was a, a last minute thing. And, you know, even though that's a horrible thing to happen, I still had to worry about getting the family covered. So um, I reached out to my Facebook friends and I remember the day where people just started messaging me and saying, I'll, I'll buy this or I'll contribute this. And I was just crying in front of my computer because it was just so amazing. The support that came out from uh, the people that I know. And I, and I remember Sarah, you and the other podcast um, <laughs> whose name we shall not name <laughs> <laughs> donated some money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, uh, <clears throat> I brought that up to the girls and they, they were really excited. Um, they're like, yeah, let's do it. And, um, and it, it was really, it was really rewarding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting a little misty eyed right now because <laughs> it's, um, but, uh, and then we got letters back thanking yeah. us and it was really great. And the girls were really into it. They were like, let's do it next year. But then we stopped pad- podcasting, yeah. so we mm-hmm. didn't do it next year. But, um, yeah, if you guys have the ability to contribute, it <coughs> feels amazing to do it. Um, even if you don't get recognition, I think just the feeling of giving to human beings and helping each other out, especially during this holiday season is really an amazing feeling. And, uh, I guarantee you're going to feel amazing. And even if it's for selfish reasons of feeling amazing, it's (laughs) great. (laughs) But, um, yeah, um, if you guys want to help out the organization, Kristen is, uh, doing this for adopt a family uh, where can they find you uh there is a website that is adopt a family la.com um it's basically just uh, a small little website that i um, had my husband help me with to just put up information about how to get involved there's a frequently asked question uh, page that answers any question uh, a lot of questions that I've gotten over the years and um, there is a form that you can fill out if you're interested to participate and it comes to me and I will match you with a family oh that's wonderful guys mm-hmm. that's wonderful Yeah, I've been watching Kristen do this every year around Christmas time and just how <laughs> hectic it can get. And um, um, recently, the LA Times did an article about child poverty um, mm. um, in California, specifically how it is the most high in the San Fernando Valley. Really? So, yes. Wow. wow. Um, uh, specifically, like, the San Fernando uh, um, uh, Valley area, but how... Um, um, 
in Pacoima, there's an elementary school that has the highest rates of um, uh, basically homeless children. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And so it was a four-part series, and it was really interesting and very saddening. Yeah. Also to read about um, um, <clears throat> how most of these kids are living in, like, uh, motels or out of their cars and stuff like yep. that. So stuff like what Kristen does can be very meaningful and very helpful during these times of the year. Yeah, I think a lot of us take for granted that we are, you know, we just this morning, even myself, I was like, Eddie, you got to give me your wish list so that I know what to buy. And he's like, no, I, I don't want anything. I'm like, no, you're going to give. <laughs> and you just take for granted that you can provide or that you're going to give something to the people i mean for me mm -hmm. gift giving is like i love getting for sure but i love giving <laughs> <laughs> um and i think that um th those little things the gift in and of itself is you know great but the feeling of getting something and knowing that people care is a lot of what i hear back from the clients is the the most important thing to them um they tell me when they come to pick up i mean a lot of them come with tears in their eyes they're like oh my gosh i didn't think i was gonna get all these gifts i mean some donors go all out now we're, they're not expected to provide everything on the list it's only mm -hmm. you know a few i tell them you know two or three things is fine but some people go out and go all crazy and the families um i've had people just crying like i didn't i wasn't gonna have christmas if it wasn't for this or mm -hmm. you know i didn't know what i was gonna do my children still believe in santa claus and you mm -hmm. know i didn't know how to explain to them that he wasn't coming i mean those are just all things that as a child i just took for granted i mean santa came to my house until i was like 15 years old because <laughs> <laughs> i had a little brother mm -hmm. and of course santa couldn't leave this big sister out because so, <laughs> so, he would ask questions so i I was getting Santa gifts to like I was like already in my teens uh, to to keep the story going. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, it's it's a lot. Uh, it's not just a present. It's it's really honestly, it's hope. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, you're just prying the tears out of me. Oh my God, <laughs> dude, that hit me in the feels. Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, Jen, kill <laughs> So, well, tying a little bit into that, I was recently at the Santa Monica Pub Crawl, and um, uh, they it's the 10th anniversary that they did that. Um, uh, but basically, they sell tickets, um, uh, and you get access to um, uh, you get access to one of four routes uh, that you can get discount drinks um, from at certain pubs and um, uh, bars that they have there. But all ticket sales go to uh the west side food bank in santa monica mm -hmm. so uh last year they had over six thousand participants participants and raised over twenty thousand dollars wow uh and so it's just so like so like even if you like if you kind of don't have like um uh, like if you can't provide gifts or something you can also do something like that where yeah you can mm -hmm. like do something fun or have like access to like um, um to like or like drinks and stuff like that and still benefit something mm -hmm. that has a good cause so 
That's what I did. I also got drink and feel good about yourself. Drink and feel good about yourself. <laughs> that, you that's know? a great combo. <laughs> but uh, there were also food specials too. So if you're not into drinking, <laughs> yes. there you could also take advantage of the food specials. But yes. I think this is awesome because I think Santa Monica does this throughout the. Um, I've seen throughout the year them do it. This is the first time I've actually seen it be like a fundraiser type thing. Yeah, um, uh, th- they were specifically done by. Uh, um, uh, the advertising and everything and the coordinator is done by Spin PR, but they've been doing this for 10 years now. Awesome. Yeah, because yeah. this was their 10th anniversary okay. doing it. So they've been doing it since 2008. Got it. Okay. We just never really heard word right, of it, yeah. uh, about it until now. I think they maybe did a little better job at advertising it mm. now because they had the LA Weekly oh, as sponsors. Yeah, mm-hmm. the yeah I actually bus. saw it all over my Facebook yeah, feed. the Stella mm-hmm. Artois. That's because probably me and Yair oh. said that we were <laughs> <Yeah>. going. <laughs> and, um, um, and like once you like people that your friends would say they're going something it shows up it yeah. shows yeah, up on your yeah, facebook definitely. and stuff like that so but i actually heard of it from yair who heard of it from matt and stuff like oh that. right right yeah so it was a, it was a lot of fun um and i got to cover some like really cool places and some places that i'd never even been to in santa monica and though yeah. i've been working there for it's so funny for a i couple years now i drive back and forth to santa monica every day and i barely wander anywhere past the Starbucks or the pizza across the street. Uh, <laughs> and there's so many cool things. Yeah. There are. Wow. And I just, I realized doing that, one, I was, it's, it's benefiting a good cause and stuff like that. But two, I got to know a little bit more of Santa Monica yeah. besides what I'm usually yeah. used to. And uh, there's a lot of good bars that I will now be frequenting. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> so lesson here, guys, give back to the community, especially during the holiday season. Kristen, what time is it? It's that time again. It's beer time. (laughs) So today we are... Oh, that sounds great. We are tasting a beer that sounds like it's going to be amazing in my mouth. It's called White Ferrari. Uh, it's from the Vale Brewing Company from Richmond, Virginia. Ooh. Now, tell me, Sarah, where did you get a beer all the way from Richmond, Virginia? Well, this is Whoa. a shout out. Oh my to- gosh! <laughs> yeah. It smells so good. <laughs> this is a shout oh, out to Perler God. and uh, at Perler and Beard on his Perler and Beer on Instagram, which is Compton Eric. Mm-hmm. He is our uh, beer uh, bookie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> beer, pimp? beer pimp? I don't know. I don't know, to, I don't know what to call it. But he, um, I go out to uh, do, I, I stand in line at Monkish yeah. and buy the um, the can releases. Right. And then he rewards me with beer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so is he part of a, like a collective that... Um, Not a half bad gig. Right, <laughs> beer like the Egyptians. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, yeah, he collects beers and he does beer reviews on his podcast, which is Mush- Mustache Cash Stash Podcast. They're on You're iTunes. Have to say that again, Mustache Cash Stash Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right, try saying that really fast yeah, five times. No, uh, no, I have to actually pause and think of it. But yes, he they review beer as well, and um, and this this is one of the. Uh, the stars that came into my possession from that, yes. 
Okay, so the white Ferrari from the Vail Brewing Company in Richmond, Virginia, um, is a double IPA. And as I passed it along it to Jen, like a IPA. yeah, the the smell was so strong. I was like, oh my gosh. It made my mouth water. So um, it is brewed and dry hopped with an equal amount of citra and galaxy hops. It clocks in at an 8% ABV. So 8% is pretty darn high. For double IPA, I guess that's about average. Um, but yeah, it, this is not a uh, social, I mean, I guess some people <laughs> will socially drink it uh, multiples, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> um, so it says this luxuriously soft double IPA is hopped intensely with 50-50 Citra and Galaxy and a ton of it. They used the freshest crop available of each hop to give this double IPA the most expressive hop character possible. It says that they truly believe this is one of, if not, the best hoppy beer they've ever released. And they hope you agree. Yes. I'm just continually, like, just sniffing it. It just smells really good. It's it smells very citrusy. Um, it smells very very hoppy, um, and yes, it makes my mouth water. <laughs> well, I had a taste. I couldn't wait. Uh, the aroma is really great. Ooh. It's, <laughs> that was Kristen, guys. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh, that's not a good wow. It's a shocked wow. <laughs> it is. Uh, um, I I like it. Yeah. I, I really like it. I, I love there is a citrusy aftertaste. Uh, there is a big wow factor when you initially mm-hmm. swallow the first gulp. Yep. But after the third gulp, it really sits on your tongue really well. Um, I like that. It has like a, a bit of a bitter that goes right in the middle of your tongue. I feel it right there that is kind of lingering. Um, the smell's amazing. The color is gorgeous. The color is really nice. It, it's definitely that murky, golden haze that you get from a double IPA. Yes. Uh, I'm loving this. Okay. So this is Kristen. When I first drank it, I was still on the Stunned. citrus smell. Yeah. And so I was expecting a, a more, like, um, soft entrance. <laughs> And this, <laughs> oh my God! This, <laughs> no, she didn't. This was hard without lube. <laughs> so it was raw. <laughs> yes, this was raw, and it was shocking to me. It's so so hoppy at the front and the back, and I generally don't like my beers hoppy at the front. I'm okay with that aftertaste, and I've learned to appreciate it over time. Um, I used to hate it all but um it it really prevents me from tasting anything else Uh, all all i can taste is the is the the hoppiness of it and so they're absolutely uh (laughs) right when they're saying well it it is the most hoppy i don't know if it's the best hoppy (laughs) well that i've ever tasted maybe that they've released like they said but um (laughs) it's it's um I don't know that I could drink a whole can of this. I probably could, but I definitely need to be home. I don't. I. I, I can't. I wouldn't be able to like go out and drink it. 
and especially not on an empty stomach. I think I'd have to have a burger and then drink it. Well, for sure, not an empty <laughs> stomach. I'm I'm retasting it right now, and I can't taste any of the notes that are not hops. Mm. And and so to me that that like I don't like that taste to overpower the rest of the beer. Um so Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you in that. Uh, well, yeah, no, I can't taste anything but the hops, and it's it leaves a kind of warm aftertaste, which is the best I can describe it. <laughs> um, uh, but I don't like it. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, the best I can conclude it as. I don't not like IPAs. Wait, is that a right sentence? <laughs> <laughs> is that grammatically <laughs> the, the, correct? There are some IPAs that I really, really love. Um, and so I wasn't expecting to not like this. Um, and so I don't <laughs> like it. It's very um, uh, bold and, and strong, and I think that this beer is probably 100% um, perfect for uh, some beer drinkers out there. I'm just not one of them. Um <clears throat> But um, I think that it, maybe I could share it with somebody. But even then, I'm just, I'm not enjoying it. And I do like to enjoy the front of my beer um, for sure when I'm drinking it. Um, and that's how I know that I'm drinking. Or to me, that's how I uh, identify good IPAs is that I can actually appreciate and um, and uh, enjoy while I'm drinking it before I get that that aftertaste at the back of my tongue. So um, mm -hmm. I'm ready to rate the beer. And um, while I didn't like it, I also didn't hate it. And I would say that probably on the... on the scale of flaccid to rigid that I would probably just... It's not a flaccid, but it's probably just an initial for me. Um, this is Sarah, and sometimes I like no lube. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, this is a family show, Sarah. Um, as you can oh, see, I'm can already drunk. We've never been a family show. <laughs> <laughs> as you can tell, I'm already drunk. Uh, no, I'm I'm just kidding. Um, I really like it. I like I like the heavy handedness. Mm -hmm. I. I really appreciate those bold tastes in my mouth. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna go full. I'm gonna go full okay. on this one. Yeah. So full. That's just below rigid. So that's like a four out of five. Yes. Okay. Yes. I gave it a two out of five. <laughs> I am. I'm gonna go with Kristen, and I'm gonna give it an initial, because I never really liked um, uh, a lot of bitterness. It's actually what initially put me off of beers. Uh, mm -hmm. So it took me a long while to appreciate IPAs, and it was mostly thanks to Kristen. Um, but this this basically reminds me why I don't like <laughs> beers. So I'm just going to go with an initial. So that's two initials, two, two, uh, two twos out of five, and one four out of five for the white fart, which I really wanted to love because I really like I that the name, name, right? Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys it's time for our book review what are we reviewing today well today we have 
two books that we're going to review. Um, one is actually a, uh, the we have the first three issues of, and I believe that um, we, geez, we met these people way back at, was it the East LA Comic Con? Um, or no? I believe so. Don't they do the sketchy bugs as well? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we are reviewing Vlad. Um, it is, it says here, it's Black Dog Comics published. So they. it's a self-published book. It is um, written by, um, just like Jen said, a collective of people who met through um, the Sketchy Bugs, which is the cool creator um, group that Comic Bug has, I believe, every Thursday or is it every Wednesday? I'm not sure, but they have it weekly. Mm-hmm. And so if you are a budding comic creator, you can go to the Sketchy Bugs. And I believe it is at the Manhattan Beach location. And um, it's kind of just like a, a support group and they help you to flesh out your story. They'll help you to uh, get matched with a uh, artist if you're a writer or vice versa. And um, there's a lot of support from the shop. So much so that at um, the, geez, the last three or four LA Comic Cons, back even when it was Kamikaze, there was a, uh, a comic bug pavilion in the artist alley. And all of the creators who had um, basically de- thought up their books there at Sketchy Bugs had a, a produced book in hand and were selling their wares at the convention and so this is one of those books and um the story the writer is by edward m ambrise m ambrise 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 uh-huh <laughs> um the lead artist is david moreno and then um there's a couple of different cover artists on all three of the issues mm. so that is our first book we're going to read, and we'll talk about the second one when we come to it. But, okay, so I'm going to start off. This is Kristen. I remember coming to or going to the, um, the tables and talking to them about their book. I don't remember if I was talking to the, the writer or the, the artist. I think it was actually Edward, the, the writer. And um, being super excited because I really like vampire stories. And okay, this book is called Vlad. And so I'm like, oh, this is awesome. It's going to be some sort of different take on a vampire story. I really like um, to see the creativeness that create that creators um, come up with. with I mean, because how many different ways can you do a vampire? There's tons of different uh, lore out there and, you know, uh, non-traditional stories about vampires. So I was really excited. Mm-hmm. So we read three issues and i didn't see one vampire and so i'm a little bit disappointed (laughs) but um i i definitely get that it's about the history or anyway i don't know if i'm getting it right but i'm assuming it's about the history of vlad the impaler from when he was a kid and like all the stuff happening to him and growing up, which is actually a really super interesting concept, I think. Um, but there were no vampires. <laughs> well, this is Sarah, and um, 
you know, I I also thought Chris uh, like what Chris was saying. Uh, vampires, right? Yeah. I love vampires. They're sexy. They young and beautiful and <laughs> you know, fast and you know it's all about the vampires and so then when i was gonna start reading this book what i did was um i put on some beethoven and i had a glass of wine and i'm like getting setting the mood and um <laughs> and uh yeah there were no vampires but that's okay because i actually really enjoyed uh the um um it's sort of it's Vlad, but you see Vlad the Impaler as a kid. There's actually, I think, in the first uh, three pages in the first issue where it shows kind of like what he becomes, where all the um, the bodies impaled in the background, and him as an adult. But that it it takes you back to his youth, mm-hmm. sort of like a like he's having a flashback. But it's like the flashback is the whole story, um, and he's narrating it. And so um, I found it really interesting. Uh, I really loved it and I, I wasn't sure if it was actual like in my eyes I felt like they did a lot of research to write this book because all the names and stuff mm-hmm. sound accurate like something that is something that was part of history I didn't go and fact check of course but um, uh, the only issue I had with this book is you know it's sort of like reading 100 Years of Solitude with all these names are so strange that I would have oh, to like yeah. write them out and kind of uh, put a distinct mark towards the characters because, uh, you know, like, they were, like, comp- their names that I'm not used to. Like, I'm used to, like, Juan Perez, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I really, I mean, I'd have to take an initiative to write the, the list of the characters they're in because there's a, a great deal of characters. There's House of Brand. There's, you know, uh, he has a brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dad is an a-hole, which I love. <laughs> I mean, I... You get to meet Elisabetta, but we know who she is. She's like his love and stuff. So I really enjoyed this book. I enjoyed the heck out of it. I love the cover, um, the cover art uh, on, I think, the second issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the cover art. What, or is it the third issue? This is the third. It's and then this is the first. Oh, the first issue. Okay. The first issue that grabbed me. So <laughs> I was like, we got to <laughs> review this because I'm, I'm loving the art. And um, I love the art inside. I... I, I I really like it. Uh, to me, it just really mirrors and mimics the story that I'm reading. So I, I loved it. This is Sarah. <laughs> this is Jen, and I had the opposite reaction. <laughs> I did not enjoy the art. In fact, it kind of gave me a headache trying to <laughs> decipher it. Um, and I am not exactly a history buff, but... Um, uh, I was always interested in uh, vampires and stuff like that ever since I saw Nosferatu. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I love vampires from creepy and like horror inducing 30 days of night uh, vampires mm. to, I will admit it, even the Twilight, <laughs> Twilight vampires. Twilight, the sparkly ones. The sparkly ones. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Twilight. <laughs> 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 I I imagine that you did. <laughs> but... I, li- I like vampires, and so I've done, like, um, uh, like I've looked into the history of vampires and just how, and kind of one of the few mythological creatures to repeat throughout cultures is vampires. Uh, also, many cultures, have, just like a side note tangent, but almost every culture has a Cinderella story, a vampire story, and ghost stories. Interesting. Yes. Wow. Yes. 
almost um because uh, there's of course some cultures that haven't been recorded and stuff like that yeah. but um uh, one of of the ones that we do have recorded and this is when i was taking my mythology classes both at uh, el camino and at ucla is that almost every culture has those three in common vampires ghosts and a cinderella story hmm. which is really funny i, w- I always found that yeah one fascinating. interesting um, um but anyways going back to this so i know a bit of, about the history of dracula mm-hmm. and um, um or dracula vlad the third um um and that he actually had two brothers i don't know um uh, they didn't introduce the sec- the second brother uh so it was three brothers in total and uh, Marcia. I, I, I or- believe they didn't introduce all three okay. in the book. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I'd have to reread it again, but mm-hmm. I, 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 one only one stands out to me. Uh huh. But uh, I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah. So his uh, older brother, um, Mercia or Mercia or however it's pronounced, it, there's debate. Um, um, was his older brother, and he was uh, supposed to take over the throne, but I believe he was assassinated or murdered. One of the two. Um, uh, and his younger brother was actually handed over to the Turks um, mm. um, uh-huh. later on, uh, and so it's it's a it's a bit of a fascinating kind of thing. And the reason that um, uh, history says that um, uh, Dracula took over the throne was because of what he did to his people. So basically, that um, um, uh, Dracula was so was bu- so busy terrorizing his own people that the Turks didn't bother with him at all. So it was it's it's very interesting. So I kind of already know a bit about the history of Dracula and so reading it I was just like okay, like uh this is all kind of information that I kind of already know except told through a historical comic book lens form, but I wasn't really drawn into it. I mean, it was I get, I get, I can get why people would be into it if they don't know the history of basically of Dracula, Vlad the Impaler. Um, um, but for me, it was basically been there, done that, not really interested, and I've seen better kind of thing. And I'm, I'm oh, sorry to interrupt you, but I, that draws to the conclusion: <clears throat> will they include vampires, or is it just straight? Well, see, that's the thing. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think I did myself a disservice just assuming that it was going to be about vampires, because obviously Vlad is a real person <laughs> uh, and was um, just a horrible yeah. one. A true um, historical figure. Yeah, yeah, but you know, there was nothing. Um, uh, petronatural about him at all and so i think that that was going in that was something that i did a disservice not only to myself but to the book because i thought that i was going to see vampires for some reason um which it makes perfect sense that this is a, that this is a historical uh story about the person who the mythology of that Bram Stoker made up about a vampire, um, about the person who uh, he drew from, his the ideas from, and so it makes sense that there's no vampires, <laughs> but I don't know why it still was a disappointment to me. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it is because mostly when you do think about that, I mean, anybody who's read Bram Stoker's or anything or has looked into vampires or stuff like that knows that he was based off of Vlad right. Taylor. Mm-hmm. And even there was recently a movie that was named Vlad or something that was a bu- that did feature vampires in it. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't remember that. So, I don't think it's like, it's 
I can guess why you would think that there would be vampires with a book named Vlad <laughs> and, the, and the heavy gothic yeah. um, uh, covers that they have. Because, like, I mean, it just screams vampire. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're, you got you got to play with what you got with your audience and everything, drawing the people who would be interested. But at the same time, I'm just all like... So one of the things that was a recurring theme in the book is how abusive emotionally, physically, um, psychologically that uh, Vlad's father in these books, and I'm assuming in real life, was to him. I mean, we all know what happens with him uh, in his later years. Um, He is what, like... He okay. He's drawn. There's a point where he's talking to Elisabete, and he says, "I'm 12 or 13. I don't know something really young." That I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" This whole time I'm listening to your thoughts and I'm looking at you, and I thought he was like older, 17, 18, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that he's so young um, also made me really. It was confusing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I get that from his facial features and so forth and, you know, the way he carries himself throughout the story because he's kind of a a-hole, too. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like, I'm so above you. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I really like uh, how they wrote him because, I mean, he he is the a-hole. He has to be an a-hole because he has a dick of a dad. Oh, yeah. That's where I was going with that yeah. is that mm-hmm. it's interesting to see that um abuse play out because obviously that played into from what we know now in in um you know the times that we have now with people studying this and stuff that that plays a role in the psychosis and psychology of adulthood and so I think that that was super interesting, actually, that it was added in here, um, because I don't think I'd ever read anything like that about why he did what he did or how he became who he was. Right. Mm -hmm. And even the dynamic between brothers, his older brother, who is to assume the throne and how he is not really looked on to get the throne because of his lack of warfare knowledge or even uh, being able to beat Vlad at a game of chess. So... Um, there's that. Yeah. And I really love how they show a different face of him that is kind of even foreign to him because of the conversations he has with Elisabetta and how he contemplates the moonlight and kind of loves poetry and, and um, kind of in secret. Mm-hmm. So I found the character, the lead character, to be really well developed i i feel sorry for him i feel something for him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i i enjoyed the book but are you guys ready to rate it sure so we actually read the first three Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um honestly when i came in i was ready to give it a one because i was like there's no vampires (laughs) but but after after talking about it and after realizing that i had unrealistic (laughs) expectations i appreciate the story for what it is and i think it's a very interesting concept um i might want to go back and reread and kind of with that in mind of where it's going um to see uh what I get out of the story, but I definitely think that this is Kristen. I'm going to give it a two just from the fact that there was a lot of story there. There were some interesting things that I, um, that I did read and that I did, um, 
want to kind of see fleshed out. Um, and so for those reasons, I think, and because it's interesting to me, I, I also am very into vampire folklore and story and myth and interest. It interests me to, to learn about Vlad, the person who, uh, Dracula was based on. So, um, for all of those reasons, I will give it two conchas. Um, this is Sarah, and I'm going to give it three because I did, I mean, I love vampires and I love Dracula, but I only base my knowledge on Bram Stoker's Dracula and the movies I've watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't gone into history or anything like that, so for me to see these names and kind of match them up with, like, the years and stuff like that through Wikipedia, because that's kind of what I looked at before I got in here. <laughs> but um, for that, and because I really appreciated the story, I, re- uh, I appreciated the how... Um, complex the relationship with his dad is and his brother and how um you know you see the interaction he has with the servants and so forth i mean i really i feel it i feel like when he's walking in his in his castle and you know i feel it like i i i give it three conchas this is sarah i'd be interested to know how much of it is actually because you're right it does sound it does read like there was a lot of um research done so i wonder how much of it is his fiction mm-hmm. uh, that they took liberties with or how much of it they actually read some accounts of and then turned that into a story mm-hmm. so this is Jen and I'm gonna have to go with one concha simply because I'm I was very unimpressed with it and I I'm not too fond of the art and I kind of think that it's a bit overhand oh like overhanded and a little gaudy uh gaudy actually was a word that i came to mind when i was looking at some of the faces yeah (laughs) so um um, it just it's definitely not for me Mm -hmm. um uh, i i've always preferred um uh, a more smoother art style yeah uh, for reading especially there was was a lot of heavy lines it Um, is in black and white uh, mm um just as a side note which i think goes well with the whole goth uh you know mm-hmm. 14 uh, 43 uh, <laughs> like 1100s, uh 1800s around there so i think uh, that it definitely was a if that was a style choice and not just a um cost money choice <laughs> yeah. that it actually had potential to work mm-hmm. but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna give it one concha all right, guys, that was a review. One, two, three. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to review number two. All right, so the second book that we're reviewing is a book called The Femme Magnifique. A very sexy. Um, it is a book published by Black Crown, which is a small publishing company that actually um, has come out with some cool things over the last couple of years. I remember seeing a lot mm. of cool stuff. Um, but it is a book with uh, that has 50 short little graphic stories, like no, not longer than like two or three, maybe four pages long, of 50 magnificent women who changed the world. Mm. 
And it is stories from women who have um, have done cool things in science, in all kinds of different um, platforms. Yeah, so. yeah. art, art, music. music. Science, uh, politics, yes, all kinds of stuff. And I picked it because I thought it was um, super cool and amazing that there were um, that there was a book that was dedicated to kick ass women. And um, and the back says the comic book anthology that salutes 50 magnificent women who take names, crack ceilings and change the game in pop politics, art and science. So I um really was like in awe of the names of the creators that they actually got to write in this book. There were so many big names in here. Um, and also the women that they actually used um, as the heroes. Um, I was like, some of them in here, I was like, wow, like you wouldn't really like, that's someone who has done amazing things, but you don't really hear about her a lot. Right. So I really was, um, oh, I'm sorry. I really was, I'll give you your copy back so you can <laughs> look at it. Um, excited to read this. Oh, absolutely. This is Sarah. And um, initially I started reading this like at 12 midnight yesterday. Well, no, this morning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yes. And it started with a story on Kate Bush. Yes. Now I'm not familiar with Kate Bush except for, Aren't you an song. 80s child? I know, right? <laughs> but the only when I was reading it, the only song that came coming to my mind was, um, "You're running up that." Mm, oh yeah, uh -huh. yeah. So uh -huh. that's the only. So when I when I was on like the the first page when I was finishing, I put Kate Bush in the background, oh. and I was like, "Dang, wow. this is so." I mean, she inspired Tupac Shakur. I know, right? When I read uh, that, I was, I was like, like, "Oh my, my gosh. gosh, you're so awesome!" Yeah, and then to have like that big gap mm -hmm. in her career, yeah, between and then she's doing a live show and it sold out in 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean that speaks to like the intensity of the art she's mm -hmm. she's throwing out in the world. But that's just one of the stories. I mean, Katie Sudakonic. Am I saying that Kelly right? Sue. Ke Kelly Sue the Connick. Uh -huh. She did the one on um, uh, Hillary Clinton. That one, I cried. Had, yes. Had, I cried. Had no words, guys. Yes. It was just images. Yes. And it was so powerful. I'm I'm getting misty. Right. Right oh, now, yeah. just <laughs> thinking about I it. I know. And the one on Michelle Obama and the one on... Uh, there was uh there's a lot of women that are missing by the way but i mean there's there's only so much you can do but i really love the scientific ones like the 1800 ones mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, where uh there's no place for women in science there's no universities that want to teach women yeah uh the one that was amazing to me was the nurse that uh she was in new york and she um uh she actually started Planned Parenthood yeah uh -huh. because and, and this is something you don't see in movies uh you you know you in movies you see oh the family's poor they have two three kids maybe four but you don't see the ones that consecutively are, are always pregnant they have like 18 pregnancies 11 live births and 10 that are still alive yeah you know yeah. it's just that crazy mm -hmm. and women are exhausted and there is a panel where you see the woman exhausted with all these kids yeah and it's true I mean they had no, uh, uh, I mean, and then some, and then there was a little panel where it was like some women have like self-inflicted abortions. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, I was just like, honestly, through half of these stories, I was in tears. The thing about that particular story, which was uh, Margaret Sanger, um, was that 
it it was it really struck me that a lot of these pregnancies were because women just they weren't educated. I'm not meaning like not saying like they weren't smart or whatever, but no one was telling them how their own bodies worked. And Mm -hmm. so they didn't. And that's the whole thing about Planned Parenthood is putting the power back into the the hands, if you will, of the individual to make to make choices about their own reproduction, whether or not you're a male or a female. Right. But I mean, for. So long, women didn't understand and no one was sharing with them how their bodies work or how even they were getting pregnant. They didn't know how right. to prevent it. Yeah, you don't talk about that. Yeah. You know, it's not something that your mom is going to tell you. Like, for instance, it wasn't until I was an adult that I, lear- that I learned that I learned the hard way that sometimes when you're older and you sneeze, you pee on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like, nobody I mean, told me that. I nobody, mean, I, n- I had no idea that As happened. a woman, that is something that, um, yeah, doesn't get shared. Like, my mother never told me mm-hmm. um, that incontinence is a thing right? when you get older. Oh um, and, you know, my mother never told me about menopause or all the changes that are going to happen or all the things. Right. My I, mother never told me about that. My mother, um, I learned about my own period at school. Uh, my mother never told me that. Um, and so it's super... You're right. My mom didn't tell me Yeah, either. it's super interesting um, that it's not just... I mean... In in the story, they were just talking. Uh, there was something else in there where um, I can't remember what it was. I don't have the copy in front of me, but um, just the whole okay, just the whole thing that it seems like such a small little thing to do, but just information is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, they had one a story on Bjork, which I love. Oh. Uh, Sorry, Bjork. I don't like your song. <laughs> I don't like your music. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, I was like, oh my god, I haven't listened to Bjork in a while. So every time they had somebody that was like uh, music inclined in the book, I oh, would and you would music. listen. Yeah. Oh, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah. So I went on reading this till like three in the morning, and then just putting on songs yeah. and stuff like that. So it was, it was really, it was kind of a, it was kind of a, a whole journey for me with this. I learned I, a lot, a lot. I imagine when I was reading this, women reading this with their child with their daughters with their nieces with you know just the girls the young girls in their lives their mentees whatever that's how I really saw this book and and that Hillary Clinton one kind of is where I got that idea when it's Kelly Sue and uh it's she's at the end with her daughter and the daughter, like she helps her daughter up onto, you know, to climb this big, uh, rock that's in front of them. And it, that's how I imagine this book being used and read and enjoyed is with women and their, um, their younger, uh, I guess uh, (laughs) (laughs) they're the the younger younger, women that they have their um, younger counterparts. Yeah, their younger counterparts. Mm -hmm. I I really loved also the Carrie Fisher one, and I love that one. I think because it hits the geek part in me. Yeah, yeah. And and it starts off with the panel and uh, of all females and cosplay and Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Now I'd love to read that to you, but I don't have my glasses and it's a little dark here. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but I'm not gonna spoil it because 
It's amazing. Oh, what should... can you read the title of it? It's big enough. The title, the the well, the title of this story is Triple Geek Goddess. Uh, and okay, you want this panel right yeah. here? It says so. We're here on the sexuality and the superhero super heroine panel, and we're going to talk about what it means for a female character created and written by men to own her sexuality. Is there a difference between empowered fishnets and degrading ones? Can a fictional character be slut shamed? Uh, and then it says, but for those of us who self-identify as geeky, it was a watershed moment. Definitely. I really felt that because, I mean, as a person who goes to the comic cons and all that and guys or anyone trying to take p those lewd pictures of girls who have the outfits that are a little scantily clad. Yep. And then there's a part in here where uh, uh, I guess Carrie Fisher had talked to George Lucas about yep. why she wasn't wearing a bra. Yeah. And he and I'm not going to spoil it, but the retort was amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I'm like, if I didn't like Carrie Fisher before, I love her now. <laughs> uh, it was amazing. It was eye opening. And there are so many other stories in here. Uh, but Jen, tell us. I more. like the sheer range that they yes, use yeah. in this because uh, you get your geeky, you get your science, you get um, uh, which call it your activism, and even um, uh, some debated ones as well, like Maria Bonita, mm. who is um, uh, like I thought that one was really good. It was actually the and actually the only um, uh, Hispanic girl, not a Hispanic but Latinx uh -huh. right, right, um, uh, right. character or not character but person who is featured in it as well. Uh, Hilbert Hernandez did a piece for it, and I really liked his as well. That was about Haiti Lamar, uh, who is, of course, a very uh, popular actress in the golden age of movies, mm -hmm. of the golden age of Hollywood and stuff like that. But that she was also an inventor. She invented what would later enable us to get have Wi-Fi and basically wireless access. And really? Stuff but she Whoa. was not recognized for this invention until she was 83. And there's uh, a lot of that in this yeah. book. Yeah. There is a lot yes, of that. Yes, there's a lot of that where not only were they not recognized, but men took. took uh -huh. Yes. The, yes. Ex mm -hmm. I wanted to say it, but I got stuck. But <laughs> yeah. recognition they for it. They took the recognition, yes. And it's it. years mm -hmm. later that people figure it out. And then when they like it, they're like, oh, what? I didn't, you know, like the, the actually mm -hmm. the one uh, about the lady who actually had the first image of a dna strand mm -hmm. oh yeah i'm um, oh, uh, kathy uh oh god what's her name there's so many names here guys <laughs> yeah, i'm not there, don't expect uh, me to remember them there is there's many names but like yeah like she she was the, actually the first one to do uh, x-rays to, to do x-rays mm -hmm. and dna strands mm -hmm. and stuff like that but she was not recognized for it instead her compatriots right got the award for it and it wasn't until like only a couple years back that they finally recognized her. Yeah, and she had already passed. I mean, she had passed away she from ovarian away cancer. Though. But yeah. oh wow. Yeah, and then the the other lady who didn't have any formal education, who uh, found fossils. Yes. And then, yes. Uh, and then she taught her. Yeah. Yeah, she taught herself. Uh, yeah. Biology. She taught herself uh, um, anatomy. She t yes. all of that she did by herself. But because of her social status, mm -hmm. which she, she was poor, she would sell these discoveries to men, and then they, and would they take took credit. The credit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But oh my god, it just oh, it's kind of you get angry, but you cry, and then you get angry again, and then you feel inspired, and <laughs> then you're just like, and then they have these quotes between the stories yeah. that are yeah. really like. You know, most of the time I actually would would tear up on the quotes because mm -hmm. it's directly from the characters they're representing in yeah. these an anthology stories. So. Yeah. 
Okay. I'm going <laughs> to stop now because I can keep going. <laughs> yeah, I, there's just, I mean, there's 50 stories. Like I said, there, most of them are very short. Um, it, it definitely, I learned a lot uh, from reading this book. And like we have mentioned in past podcasts, one of the favorite things that we love about um, books when we're reading them is when we can also learn some sort of um, historical information that we did not know previously. And I learned a lot mm -hmm. from this book and I highly recommend it to people, to women, to men, to all kinds of people. Buy it, read it, share it with the young women in your lives, share it with the young men in your lives mm -hmm. um, so that they know that women are, are uh, and girls are just as uh, amazing and, and uh magnificent <laughs> yes uh, as men are touted to be so um are you guys ready to uh, to yes, rate it absolutely. so yeah absolutely this is sarah and i'm gonna rate it three conchas and a cafe not a cafe um a, a cup of champurrado because this was everything that i love about comic books it's beautiful there's a lot of different people working on it uh, the art is amazing um, and it teaches you something. So definitely pick this one up. Yes, this is Kristen. I also am giving it um, three conchas and a cup of champurrado. Um, I loved it. Um, the The pairings of the artist and the writers were perfect. Um, the art was just it's a whole bunch of different artists uh so you also get a oh, a wide range of styles and so it's just amazing to see them all and then um telling the stories and so um i can't recommend it enough this is jen and i am going to give it three conchas as well i was debating giving it two because the I, well, they did have Hilbert Hernandez and one Brazilian woman. Mm -hmm. There was not a lot of Latina uh, right. women, or uh, like I felt like they could have done Dolores Huerta or something. Yeah, you know? or like, yeah, or even like an easy one, Frida Kahlo. Like, right? Yeah, Frida Kahlo yeah. is so easy. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, yes. like they had a they had a bunch of easy ones in there as well. But um, um I feel like they could have done more with that. But that's valid. Stick with two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that one. I'm gonna back that. You know what? Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm. A, never mind. I rescind the three. It's gonna be two. Yeah. But I did like the sheer range that they have. About, yes. Uh, yeah. From all of that. Because so. they had a, a Chinese woman. And they had a they Chinese had, woman. Uh, they had Brazilian, Japanese, Japanese. But the thing is, did they? I don't know if I skipped over if I didn't realize it, but did they have any trans women? Yes, they did. Okay. All right. Yes. So they that was one of the things I wanted to mention, <clears throat> but. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I I just didn't want to go on because I just yeah, kept going. Yeah, because it was just like no, there's like oh, there's fifty women. So I don't. I yeah. know I read this, but I. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, there's uh, yeah. there's so many, and so yeah. I'm glad that they included that they included a trans woman. Yes. Um. Yes. Uh, but um. Uh, so never mind. I'm gonna go with two, but I do I do still very much like I it. Do two and a half. It's just <laughs> it's a critique. It's a critique. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Well, that's a review. Now it's time for On My Radar. This is Sarah, and On My Radar is, dude, Captain Marvel and the Avengers trailer, dude. What's yeah. up with that? Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. So apparently that happened, and I didn't talk about it last time. Oh, my fucking God. I can't believe Tony's dead. <laughs> <laughs> is he really dying? 
Maybe. <laughs> Did you see that um, NASA had to tweet out to people, stop asking us to go and save Tony Stark from space? <laughs> Well, Captain Marvel is scheduled to release March the 8th, and uh, the Avengers Endgame is going to be released on April the 26th. So I know what I'm doing. You're back to back. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm sure it's consecutively and uh, the storyline-wise. And, uh, of course, if you guys saw Ant-Man and Wasp, uh, the Mm -hmm. second uh, movie of Ant-Man. Nope. Okay. Well, if you say after the after credits uh, scene ties into Endgame. So I'm very... um, Wasn't Captain Marvel, though, already um, shown to be said that it was happening way before? So we already know that's going to be happening in the 80s. So I'm guessing that the ending is going to tie into Avengers Endgame for the movie. Uh If the after credits scene doesn't. Uh But I think they're going to have to do a better job of tying it in. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. I'm going to go see it. Um, I'm a bit on Marvel Burnout. Oh, yeah. Really? But Uh, but it's been some time between movies right no uh i'm still on burnout oh. <laughs> i've been i've been on burnout for a couple years but i mean i'm still gonna go see them i mean they're still entertaining yeah um uh, I, I went to go see infinity war in theaters i went to go see thor ragnarok in theaters which was nice <laughs> uh, um i just finished watching iron fist uh season two <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I will defend uh, both one and two <laughs> as far as being entertaining. Uh, and I really enjoyed season two. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, I believe there is a Captain Marvel. There is a Captain Marvel book coming out. There is going to be an ongoing series cap- of Captain Marvel. It's going to start with the number one. Side eye to you, Marvel. Um, but it is going to be written by Kelly Thompson, drawn by Carmen Carnero, who is a Spanish creator and is um, newly Marvel exclusive. Um, and going to be colored by Tamara Bonvillain. So this is an all-female team writing Captain Marvel coming in January. So if if you are interested in kind of, you know, reading about Captain Marvel or maybe kind of learning a little bit more before you go see the movie, uh, you can pre-order this at your local comic shop. You can tell them you want to put it on your pool and they will, um, I think they're probably already ordering right now for January. Um, actually, they probably ordered in November. So, But you can still put it on your pool and um, let them know that you're interested because FOC will be coming up, final order cut off, and then they can up their pulls if you're interested. So remember, support the books that you want to see be successful, and you do that by telling your shop uh, that you want to buy the book so that they know that they can order it and have it ready for you. Excellent. Fatality. All right, guys, on our Saludos segment today, we have Cabronas and Chingonas podcast, a podcast about queer and POC representation, people of color, in the media. That's awesome. I've actually yeah. seen them. I follow them on Facebook, and they've I see them posting things, but I have not listened to an episode. I'm going to oh. have to listen to it because they sound exactly what, <laughs> I, what I'm all about. 
Yeah, I've uh, listened intermediately, but the most recent one I did, I listened to was the Henry Barajas interview. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's it right. Was, it was really great. Mm-hmm. I really, uh, they took it a different way from our interview, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it was so, I mean, oh God, it's like I wanted to reach out through the sound and, and talk to them. I feel like they were talking to me. So I really wanted to shout them out because they're doing good stuff. Awesome. Over there. I've, I've heard like, uh, um, I don't go really backwards because there's so many. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I do like, I, I listen to like three or four mm-hmm. and they're really awesome. So check them out, guys. I believe they're on Stitcher, Podomatic, iTunes, for sure on iTunes mm-hmm. they are. So uh, those are saludos. So cabronas and chinconas. All right, guys. Uh, well, uh, thank you so much for listening and hope you have a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Yep. And Happy, happy holi- Holidays happy to everybody. Happy Holidays, everybody. And Happy Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, and <laughs> what else? All of them. I don't know. There's so <laughs> That's many. That's why I just say Happy Holidays. Yep. Yeah. Just Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays. Be safe, folks. guys. Don't drink and drive and be merry. And if you don't have family, be with your friends. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.